Yo, it is another episode of High Hopes. I am your host, James Seltzer, and with me, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome in the pitching guru himself, Mr. Jack Fritz. Fritzy, what's up, buddy? Producer slash sometimes host, now pitching guru. I, I think I'm moving up. I'm moving up in this, I think in this no podcast. Qu- I think there's no question. It's just like a meteoric rise. This, Who knows when it's going to end? This podcast is taking off. And <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we, got, we got high hopes, and we're going as high as those hopes are. How about that? Well, second level stuff. I That's like right. It. And and for the first time in a while, we are talking to each other while the Phillies are playing some baseball, yeah, this which is, is weird. pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Now, well, if, if the podcast starts going off the rails, it's only because we're watching some Dylan Bundy act. Yes. Luckily, uh, a meaningless game. But it is exciting. Uh, they're never meaningless. That's a, yeah, that's a sure. false claim. Yeah, totally meaningless game. But there are meaningful things that will happen in that game. How about that? Jack, why don't we start there, man? Uh, we haven't talked on the air. Obviously, uh, for those who don't know, Jack and I talk baseball ad nauseum. All, like, it's the only thing we text about nonstop. In so the middle of like yeah. football season. Yeah. It's like, hey, oh, so. totally. I'll be producing the midday show. We'll be talking Eagles, and I'll get a Phillies text from Jack just out of nowhere, and, and I love it. Can we so, talk about something? Yeah, exactly, and it's always a Phillies thing. So we're just going to kind of carry those text message conversations over here. Uh, let's start with spring training, man. We haven't talked on the air since spring training started. Kind of, What's the feel for you of having Phillies baseball back? It feels like a breath of fresh air. It really does. Like I am, my baseball team is a modern baseball team. Hey! We have we have entered into the 21st century. They're shifting every single play. They bring in a catching instructor just to teach these guys how to frame. They are. It's just. It's they are. They are a modern baseball team. And even though it took a little while, I'm glad we're there. We're there. It feels great. Kapler. It seems like the players are buying into what he's saying. Um, I'm happy. I'm very happy. Me too. And let's start with Kapler because I was going to get to that later, but you brought him up. Let's start first impressions of Kapler. I know that a lot of people, and, and maybe we were scarred in Philadelphia by the whole Chip Kelly thing and all that, but a, a lot of people seem to be a little put off by Kapler, by his kind of the way he goes about things, the Chip Kelly-ness of him and all that. I know we're both big fans of him, and we'll get into why, but I, I just want to start by saying people – Remember, this guy played in the major leagues for over a decade. He played for six different teams. This is not just some analytics guy coming in with no player background, no baseball background. This guy has been around the game his entire life. He has been through the 162-game grind. He knows what it takes to be part of a clubhouse. He knows what it takes to be successful through a full season. And for me... I think the positivity, the energy, the the constant, you know, go, go, go type of attitude... Over a 162-game season, that's the type of thing that you need. You need a guy who's going to be able to pick guys up over the course of the season. What have you been? Your, I know we both were, were big on Kapler. We have high expectations Just a bit. going in. Yeah. What are your first impressions? Uh, I think the Chip Kelly narrative is, is so lazy in a way because Chip Kelly didn't care about other people. Like Chip Kelly didn't, Chip Kelly didn't care about his players, anything like that. He only cared about Chip and feeding his ego because he thought he was going to revolutionize the entire league. And Gabe's not that way. If you if you listen to Gabe, he's very engaging. Now he's a close talker. He gets a little close, which makes me feel uncomfortable. And I don't like when people are very interested in what I'm saying because <laughs> I'm used to people not being interested in what I had to say ever. So that was a little intense, very intense. And I think he's going to have to learn how to manage being intense for 162 games, which it's going to be a, a, a learning process. You can't grind a guy for 
you know, if he's going through a slump. You have to accept and move on and, and, and understand the ebbs and flows of baseball. And Gabe played the game. Yep. He knows that. He knows how intense he is. He is very self-aware of how yes. intense he is. He is like, uh, what is Rob Lowe's character in Parks and Rec? Chris Traeger, Chris Traeger, baby. That is who he is. That's, he's, he is. That is, ex- that is exact. Like, that is the best comp for Gabe Kapler that Ever. I've heard. Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler. Yeah, that's how he memorizes names. Apparently, uh, I, 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 it doesn't shock me at all. And Perkins. But, but the fact that he was smart enough—I don't know if it's him or the analytics department or whatever—to have the vision of banning Carlos Santana in the leadoff role today just shows you how far this baseball team has gone. Freddie Galvis was batting two last year. He batted two for for. Way too many games yeah, last year. Yeah, with a 280 on base percentage. Every single time. 300 on base percentage. It may be mad. Now we've got Reese Hoskins in the two-hole. Like, it's they've come so far. I'm so proud of them. I am really happy where this team is with Gabe Cap. It's very, it's a very progressive organization all of a sudden. We went from kind of the dark ages to the, to the revolution very quickly. But uh, I'm with you 100%. Uh, Santana, bad leadoff sometimes in Cleveland. Terry, if it's good for Terry Francona, it's good for me. That's the way I look at Tito. it. Yeah, well, uh, I mean he he's been in the, in the top in the top ten of of getting first pitch balls in baseball seven out of the last seven out of eight years. He works I think. counts, man. He's got a he's got a career three sixty six on base percentage. Is a guy who's been in the league for almost a decade and never misses games. He is as consistent and all, a guy who can get on base as you will find in Major League Baseball outside of you know Joey Votto. You know, he's like that yeah. next tier down of guys with ability to get on base. Batting him in the leadoff, it's such an a, a old notion to be like, we got to put fast guys at the top of the lineup. No, you don't. Just get someone who's going to get on base. It's not that confusing. It's not that hard. And then on top of that, I know Santana, for some reason, people look at him as this like lumbering, you know, DH kind of guy. He's a really good first baseman. The gold glove caliber gold first baseman. Gold glove caliber first baseman and can move a little bit. He's not like fast on the base pass, but he's not a, a total zero. Oh, big dogs put on some weight since he moved from catcher. True. It's, it's fine. True. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, it, it, he's, a, he's a professional hitter. And, you know, it, it, sure, you love a guy that can have speed at the top of the lineup with a good OBP. I'd rather take a guy that can get on base automatically. And it feels like him, Cesar, and Reese, and, and JP are guys that have a great eye for the strike zone. An I mean, approach. And a great approach. They are going up there looking to, you know, work the count, work the pitcher, get a pitch to hit. It, it, they understand hitting and an approach hitting, which your boy Michael Franco struggles to. So I've been squatting on this take for a while. Ooh. And Ooh. I've been waiting to dish Ooh. it out. Yeah, I've been waiting to dish it out on this on this edition of High Hopes. I think Reese Hoskins is our Anthony Rizzo. Ooh, I think look he's. At I that. think. I think he's going to be as good as Anthony Rizzo. He's going to be the face of the change of Phillies baseball. Reese Hoskins, the next Anthony Rizzo like type player for our team. I could see it. Rizzo hits what 30, 35 homers a year. Bats in the high two eighties, low three hundreds. Mm-hmm. I see it. If my eyes are trusting what I'm seeing, I study the Cubs rebuild pretty closely. They have the same mannerisms. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think the Cubs, Houston, those rebuilds are clearly what this is being modeled after. Similar types of organizational philosophies, I would say, at least in terms of, you know, analytics based and and looking for market inefficiencies and all that type of stuff. But, yeah, it's not not a a carbon copy per se, but I like that comp. I I think um, I don't he's not quite as as athletic as Rizzo. 
No. Uh, you know, he can't move over and play second base all of a sudden. He can't, you know, he's not quite as good a runner. Rizzo will steal you some bases. But Talking about the play. I really like that comp. And I think he has, let's put it this way, I think Hoskins has a better approach at the plate than Rizzo did when he first came up. Obviously, Hoskins well, a little yeah, older. Rizzo was horrible. Right, Rizzo was horrible. All right, let's say then when Rizzo first broke out is a better sure. way to put it. I think Hoskins is coming in, at least approach-wise, at a higher level than Rizzo was. And I'm with you. I, you might not be quite as naturally talented as Rizzo, but I think he's a smarter, better hitter. Now let's talk about the change in the Phillies real quick. Because as we're watching this game right now, Jorge Alfaro just laid off a, a 2-0 uh, a borderline strike and got called for a ball. Jorge Alfaro's worked a 3-0 count. This team might not lose all year. <laughs> Alfaro is, uh, did show some uh, some ability to work a, a little bit of oh. a count last year here and there, but in the minors. Oh, Get out, ball. buddy. See ya. Like oh my God. power, baby. But that's the thing with Alfaro. I, I, look, I know I'm a little higher on Alfaro than you are. I, no, I, I'm higher. I love that they brought the catching guy in there to kind of work on framing. That I mean, that is the next kind of level uh, of where pitching is going is is the other side the 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 second part of that battery is becoming a much bigger deal you see guys like Roberto Perez in Cleveland and, and guys who can real make a real difference with the well, framing pitches look at the Washington Nationals for the last five years Jose Lobaton and Wilson Ramos have gotten so many BS strikes against us <laughs> it keeps me up at night the fact that they they looked ahead brought in a guy like a guy is a, a Yale catching instructor which is great because it's it's another it's another way to make this team better on the field immediately. Now I know it sounds like such a minute thing to get worked up about, but if you can get strikes here or there, it can add wins to ball games and change a game right on its face. So getting a guy to focus only on that and and make a guy like Jorge Alfaro who has all the offensive potential in the world but needs to work on his defensive side, he already has really soft hands behind the plate. Work on his other defensive things. I think I think bringing in a guy specifically there to make Alfaro better is only going to make Alfaro better going forward and help him fully reach his potential. I totally agree with you, and, and that's the key with Alfaro. We just saw it right there. The guy's going to have some power. He's going to give you a bat out of the catcher spot. I don't know if he's ever going to kind of be with that organizational philosophy of being a super high OBP guy because, right. like you just said, he does struggle a bit at, at taking pitches and not swinging itself out of the strike zone, but he's got rare power for a guy behind the plate, and he's got a cannon of an arm. Absolute cannon. 80 grade. He was graded with an 80 arm on the 20 to 80 scouting scale. For those who don't know, scouting for some reason, is graded on a 2080 scale, which has always been like, that's <laughs> doesn't make why. Any sense. But he's got an 80 arm. Like, he has the best arm a catching prospect can have in a scout's eyes. And then if you can add in the actual ability to frame, to ability to, to handle a staff, to learn, all that type of stuff, I, I agree. I think that's going to be And I think the crucial. Phillies, the Phillies this offseason have brought in people to help their young players develop. They've brought in the catching instructor for Alfaro, Santana to help Franco. It just feels like they've they've brought they've really keyed in on bringing in people from outside the organization, coaching staff, players-wise. They're only going to build around the young core they have and, and help them reach their full potential. Yeah, well, and it seems like they're, they're kind of like we saw with the Eagles when Joe Douglas came in here and they talked about having a different set of eyes. You know, someone who, who looks at, at organizational philosophy and the way they do things from a different perspective or a different way. I think the Eagles or the Phillies have been kind of doing that as well with the, the moves they made and the people they brought in and, of course, the, the robust analytics department. All right, so we, we kind of are clearly both, we've talked already on this show about how high we are on the offensive side of things. 
the ability for these guys to get on base, to score runs, especially like you mentioned, guys like Hoskins and Crawford, when they grow and they continue with at this age, at this level of their maturity, especially a guy like Crawford who's so young, to have that type of approach at the plate is really ahead of ahead of their time. And I think yep. that's something that's really going to benefit this offense. But the pitching's going to be the issue. We know. We, I think we both feel pretty good about where the bullpen's at. Let's talk about the starting rotation. Obviously, the big thing still kind of you know hanging out there is the Jake Arrieta situation. We've kind of started to hear rumblings. Clentac, McPhail. More and guys, more rumblings, more too. More and more. Those guys know him from Baltimore. I hadn't thought about that going in. That's a that's an interesting kind of little wrinkle to this. But at the same time, he's also horrible in Baltimore. Right, but it was he was someone who they always thought was going to be good and for some reason wasn't able to put it together till he till he went somewhere else. But I think that they always believed in him. And just knowing the guy has to help, it's obviously coming down to the number of years. The Phillies clearly would like it to be three at a higher AAV. But I heard you bringing that up on the air. I the brought other day. up, I said AAV on the midday I show, and I get ripped. I'm yeah. like, but I explained it before. I'm like, the average annual value, the, the amount that they're getting per year, they want it to be higher. Regardless, well, luckily, it, it, listen, our High Hopes listeners are smart enough to know this. They thing. are. And Joe's, I mean, he probably stopped watching baseball in, what, the 80s? <laughs> 80s, 90s? Is that the last time? I think time? he jumped back in for 08. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then was right back out. Um, but, I was proud of you, though. Like I was like, you know what, James? I'm glad he went inside baseball on the radio because yeah. it's our job, a, a perpetual willingness to educate. Exactly. And to not, not think that our audience is, is not smart enough to understand these concepts. You know what I mean? Like now you're talking to the evening show. It's exactly right, baby. Look at that. Look at you. Uh, But I'm, but I, I, obviously it's going to come down to the AAV. We've heard rumblings that maybe even the Phillies would be willing to go to four years. years. Where do you stand on the whole Jake Arrieta thing? So, I am a firm believer in the playoff tax. Like, I think the playoff tax is a real thing. It's a, it's a, just when teams go late into the postseason, and for the Cubs example, uh, the year before they won the World Series was the NL, they went to the NLCS, then the World Series, then they went to the NLCS again. That's a lot of uh, innings on a guy. On a guy like Jake Arrieta, it's just a lot of innings that he's going to get over time. The playoff tax, I think, is a real thing. And, uh, and Me too. last year, you saw that at the beginning of the year, start off a little bit slow. Uh, and then in August, he picked it right back up. He allowed like two earned runs in August. And that's right when his body was starting to get back into the kind of shape you need him to get into. And then he had a little bit of a hamstring pull in September. I think that kind of hurt him to end the season. I'm going off of what I saw in August and him kind of rebounding from the long playoff runs they were in. I watched his NLCS start like two days ago. Nerd. Yeah, real nerded out. The fastball location wasn't really where I wanted it to be, but he's also a guy that was dealing with a hamstring. Those things do affect your mechanics whether or not you like it or not. I think he's a he's smart enough pitcher to where he has to realize he can't throw 94 to 96 anymore, and now he's got to operate at 92. Like He dropped his average velocity dropped last year from like 94 to 92.6. Significant. And it's going to take a year to uh, – it takes a little while to adjust to that. You have to adjust to 92, and I think he's smart enough. So I I am bullish on the future of Jake Arrieta. I know it doesn't look like that because he had, what, like a high three, low four ERA last year. But Verlander also went through the same kind of thing. And look at where Verlander is now. In 2014, Verlander had a 4-3-2 ERA, I think, and then he had to learn how to pitch where he is now. It helped that his fastball jumped back up to 99. Right. But – he had to adjust his body, learn his new old body, oldish body, and, and and figure out how to pitch from there. You saw the same thing happen to Cliff Lee. It, it, older pitchers, it sometimes it takes that little year to adjust to your lower velocity 
and so you can come back and be who you were before. 100% agree. And, and what it really comes down to with those guys is, like you said, it's learning. It's all about changing speeds. Like, 94 to 92 is a massive drop. Like, that yeah. really matters. But if you can find ways to change and adjust your other pitches so that the changing in speeds is still there, the change in velocity, you can still keep hitters off balance, you can learn to pitch at 92 if you used to be at 94 or 95 or whatever. We've seen it happen many all times. The time. All the times. Tom Glavin learned to pitch at 80, for Christ's well, sake. Greg you know? Max came up throwing at 94. Yes. So, uh, and and I agree with you. I think Arietta is a really smart pitcher. The thing I love about Arietta is he's a workout psychopath. Right. right? He keeps him his and body Gabe. tight, man. Him like, and Gabe would work out together. Yes. Got to factor that in. Yeah. Maybe a potential someone finally getting the Roy Halladay ring the bell, uh, John. I don't know. I man. mean, I doubt it. But Arietta is like that kind yeah. of guy. Like, he's that kind of workout legend wherever he goes, that type of similar thing. So, you like that. I always uh, I always bristle at the concept of a four year deal for a guy at the age of thirty two. It's just Correct. it's almost like my innate reaction. I can't you know immediately. I'm just like no, don't do it. Uh, but I think in this specific case, and again, I would much rather they get him for three, and I would go three for ninety. I don't care. You know, what I mean, whatever that number Agreed. is for three, I don't care. They can afford it. I think I would be willing to go for in this specific situation because I think, like you said, I think you get two and a half to three good years from him, and that'll be worth the fourth year. A lot of these types of contracts, when you see these longer-term deals or whatever, you're almost hoping to win enough in the early part of the contract so the last year or two isn't that detrimental. You're almost paying for the whole contract in those first few years. I think that kind of the potential you could get with Arietta, especially where this team is and the need that they have and the, the ability for... There's one guy out there right now, other than obviously making a trade, there's one guy out there still available to be signed who can legitimately take this team from a fringe, you know, looking to get to 500 type team, maybe play a, a meaningful September game, to a team that is a legitimate wild card contender. That's how good this offense is. And you put Nola and Arietta, and if Arietta can stay healthy, and the bullpen you have, and you get lucky with some other arms, which we'll talk about in a minute or two, they can contend. They, that, that is why this move is so exciting, is that especially moving into next year where there are less exciting pitchers on the market. There's Kershaw's probably not going to leave L.A. Right. You're bringing in Arietta now, but also for the next couple years, but still really kind of jump-starting this thing a little and bit. And what a lot of people are missing with Arietta is, sure, on the field he's going to add a, add a boost, but you have to go into next free agency class with something in place. And, like, people, you need people to want to come here. Going to Manny Machado, going to Bryce Harper with Aaron Nola as your ace. I think Aaron Nola is fantastic, but he's not a household name. Right. Jake, Jake Arrieta is a household name that people he's are— He's a Cy Young. He is a Cy Young winner. Around the league, people respect Jake Arrieta. They they think about two years ago when he had the one seven seven the best second half in the history of baseball. I've Insane. never seen anything like it. So he you, won me a fantasy title. Shout out to Jake Arrieta. <laughs> he you, you have to make your pitch to these guys, and I think it's gonna be really tough to bring in a Harper Machado if you're coming off of a seventy five to, to seventy eight win season. And I think Machado, uh, Arrieta is good enough to where he can add three wins to this team. I agree almost immediately, and I, I think that brings you to like an. 80, 80, low 80s win team. I really do. And if the offense takes a jump, you, anything can happen. Yeah, you get lucky in a few games. Look, you win a few one-run games you're not supposed to. All of a sudden, you're, you're a wild-card contender. And the bullpen is, on paper, a really good bullpen. Like a legit, legit major league bullpen. A really good bullpen. And I think what we're going to realize by watching this team is there's – and we've, we've heard him talk about it a little bit, but load management. Gabe Kapler comes from the Dodgers system where – 
didn't it seem like the Dodgers played so many random people they all did. the time? It wasn't just seeming like it. That was their organizational philosophy was depth, 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 depth. And they're going to be so concerned about pitchers going deep into games because they know the stats. When you face a lineup three times. It's it, the third. It's unbelievable. Like right. The numbers are, are unrefutable. So David Roberts, Dave Roberts was the first one that really implemented the- David Roberts. I know. I don't know why He's I said David. that. David. <laughs> uh, that's what his mom calls him. <laughs> uh, the five innings, pretty much, that's your limit. I mean, you remember the Rich Hill game. Sure. Besides Kershaw. I mean, the, the Dodgers had the third lowest e- uh, innings totals out of starters last last year, and that's with Kershaw, right. who routinely goes seven to nine innings. So they're, they're very, they're, the five innings is pretty much a hard cap. So with this bullpen, they're going to get taxed. But it's a good, deep bullpen to where all you need your starters to do is go five innings. And that's a way to preserve Jake Arrieta, preserves Aaron Nola. It's, it, and, and hopefully your young guys, the Eflins, the Pavettas, can just get you those five innings. Vince Velasquez literally can't throw more than five innings. So it's perfect. Uh, I want to talk about those guys. Real quick to your bullpen point, though. I, I totally agree, and I love the mix of guys. It's a nice mix of veterans who you know what they can do, the Nisheks, the Hunters, and young guys who, who we saw last year really start to Fernando blossom. Fernando Abad, how yeah. are you burying the lead? And Fernando <laughs> Abad, I mean, come on. I mean, it's a, it's a deep, talented bullpen right now that you have to be excited about. But to your point uh, uh, there, let's say, and whether they do or don't sign Jake Garrieta, this is important, but um, and look, I think they might add a Lance Lynn, a potentially a Alex Cobb, whoever it is. I think I think there is another guy in here before the season starts if they don't get Arietta or if they do, obviously. But outside of, of Arietta or that other guy they potentially bring in, question marks, all right? <laughs> to put it, to really? put it lightly. And I was a big Jared Eikhoff guy after two years ago, last Same. year, rough year. We talked, you mentioned kind of before the concept of a hamstring injury for a pitcher. I really think his back injury hampered yep. him. I think that is crucial. Well, if you're thinking about a back injury with pitching, like it's all finishing down. And when you can't finish down and through your target, you're kind of coming up short, and that leads your ball to to, to be up a little bit, which in his case, it's 92. Well, last year was 89 yeah. instead of where you it was. Tell. And he was cl- very clearly hurt. And a, back, and a back injury, when you're trying to finish a pitch, it, it leads you to finish up. And when it finishes up on 89, guys are going to tee off. Yeah, well, and on top of that, too, it's, it's almost like a golf swing where it, it, it has to be so repeatable and you have to be so specific and so perfect with every move movement that you make and like you said the follow through and the finish that if one little part of you is off it really can throw the whole type of thing off so, so talk about those guys jack I, I called you a pitching guru before don't make me look stupid here. jackie mechanics jackie mechanics in the house uh eikoff efflin pavetta uh velasquez like who of these guys who of these guys do you see being the the guys who are going to have to fill out this rotation this season well, I, I firmly believe that Eikhoff's going to have a nice bounce back year. I think he's going to be a Robert Covington-esque kind of player. Ooh, I've, ooh, I've ooh, used ooh. the Eikhoff slash Covington As you thing. wear the Trust the Prospect shirt on Shout brands. out John Stolnes. Um Love John Stolnes. And, uh, no, I think I think Eikhoff's going to have a nice bounce back year. That curveball is legit. I think he was it's a legit ham- pitch. I think he was hampered with that back injury last year. If he could get back up to 92, I mean, he was better than Aaron Nola for a little bit. Not last year, but the year well, before. He was incredibly consistent. Too. I yeah. mean, he had like a walk rate of like like two walks per nine or something, yeah. maybe even lower. It was Listen, it was it was insane. A back injury is just about it's the second worst injury you could ask for for a pitcher, outside anything related to your arm, shoulder, all that. Back injury is the worst. Um, now, the other guys, I it took me uh, seven seconds to talk myself back into Vince Velasquez <laughs> after reading an article. 
Uh, listen, he seems like he changed his mindset. Oh, he went man. back to California. He was hanging out with his dog. You're, you're, you're forgetting the power that dogs have. I will never forget <laughs> the power that dogs have. Right. Uh, Velasquez, man, it's just... Please be good, because he could be a game changer. Of course he could, he could but be, like, I know. Do you really believe it? Like, I, I really don't believe. It. It. Okay, good. I don't it, believe. It. A best shape of his life story is not changing. Love a good my, best shape my, of your my, life my story. Opinion on Vince Velasquez. I know. I know. And hopefully we can see his his next start, and we'll see how he does. But he just needs to learn how to control his secondary pitches. Like his curveball is a very good weapon. He has no idea where it's going. No. He needs to learn to change up. And if he really ever wants to be a serious starter, he needs to learn a split finger fastball or something along those lines that can fall out from under you. Because right now he has nothing. Uh, it's it's a fastball that eventually by the f- second or third time around the lineup, people just catch up to it. Now he might be a closer, whatever. We can I go used to deride that. I used to be like, no, he's a good. He's going to be a good starter. Uh, that 16 inning strikeout or 16 strikeout game, I was living off that uh, for way too long. He's a reliever. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's, but, where, that's where I'm at now. He probably, Sadly. he probably will be, and I probably agree. But there's absolutely no harm in giving him another chance. I, oh, totally. Tr- look, the, the value, if, even if he can be a guy who gives you five or six strong innings every time he goes out, I mean, that is insanely more valuable than a reliever. But well, I just I, 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 I don't see it. You know what is almost as equal value to that is getting a guy like Archie Bradley. And I think Velas- absolutely a multi inning guy right. you could put it in any high leverage spot. It's like Andrew Miller a few years ago. Absolutely, it's like a it's a game changer. Right and there. I think the Phillies have two of those guys possibly potential they, guys like if that, they yeah. don't turn out to be good starters. And the other one is Pavetta. obviously Nick Pavetta. Yeah, now uh, no brainer. I mean that guy has stuff. I think Jake Arrieta would help out Pavetta a lot because they have similar mechanics in their early careers. Like Pavetta right now reminds me of 2013 Jake Arrieta, where he has. Quit. It's interesting. I could see that, like it's stuff, but unable to really harness it and put it all well, together. Even even their mechanics, like it's the same kind of turn and throw across your body a little bit. Except Pavetta doesn't all the way turn across his body, and he, but he does throw a spiked curve. So I think I think Arietta would help out Pavetta a lot. That's another thing we didn't talk about. Arietta is the veteran leadership totally. for the young guys, and I think that while a lot of analytics people scoff at that, I think it's actually pretty important. I think it matters. I that that. That's the biggest area where I find myself disagreeing with the analytics crowd is in things where, like, I believe that human emotion and human things can matter, like the clutch thing. Like, I know that clutch is not a quantifiable, like, stat that you could put out there, but I do believe that there are just certain guys who breathe slower in a big spot, who are more calm, who are whatever. I do think that stuff matters, so I'm with you there. Yeah, so um, so with Pavetta... He, what he talked about yesterday made me pretty excited because he was talking about how he wants to pitch up in the zone, just like Verlander did. And he has that big fastball. If you read Eno Saris on the Athletic, Ooh, I know Eno. Eno. Well, we'll, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll we, see if we talk to him. Maybe we'll talk to Eno. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give him a, a little, little tease there, baby. Um, Pavetta, when he pitched his fastball down the zone last year, it, the average tr- jumped like 100-plus points. And when he was up in the zone, I think the batting average on his fastball is like in the 1-7 area so so and yesterday he admitted that he was trying to pitch up on the zone which i think is the correct uh philosophy like verlander talked about it pretty much changed verlander's career and a lot of that has to do with the analytics crowd and if you saw zach eflin today he was also pitching up on the zone the high fastball you were fired up on eflin when he came in today that's why i saved the best for last yeah (laughs) (laughs) but let's just talk about zach eflin so zach eflin 
his mechanic like you can't take much from spring training, but what you can take is mechanical. I changes. told I said that with John Marks when we did our pre spring training pod. Oh, and let me guess, he was like, Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, James. <laughs> now, I'm with you, man. That, those are the things I look for the most legitimate changes in either approach or in mechanics or whatever, because that's the only stuff that ever really ends up proving to be a real change. Now, Greg Bird has scarred me from spring training. Yeah. Hitting stats. That's good. <laughs> I hate Craig Bird. Yeah. Just kidding. I'm going to draft him again this year. Of course you are. <laughs> but post type sleeper, baby. Pop all. I'm all in on the post. I'm, I was once a post type sleeper. Um, uh, but Eflin today, he he has a clear pause at the top of his mechanics, which allows him to collect himself, and he's not rushed to the plate like last year. And last year, and going back in his previous years when he was here, uh, I always thought he never had consistent mechanics. He'd be falling off the mound. He'd be ending up short on a couple pitches. Today, I thought he did a really nice job of finishing, and I think once you get to a, a pause in your mechanics, it allows you to to stop, and, and not stop, but it allows you to, to collect yourself for a second before really exploding to the plate, and I thought that that Eflin did a nice job with that today. I was I was really impressed with the location on his slider slash curveball. Um, I, I, the, the, my one quip with a lot of the Phillies pitchers, they don't have, like, besides Nola, is that they don't have the third pitch, but I think I think Eflin did a nice job of showing his first his fastball location was good and his slider location was good. Now he just needs to work on that changeup. All right, so putting you on the spot, obviously we are a, a full month plus away from the start of the season, but which of these guys will be in the starting rotation opening week? Mm. Uh, obviously, let's say Aaron so, Nola at the top and let's say Arietta or player X listen, in the two. If you're asking me right now my gut, it's Arietta. Like I just for some reason I, I, it feels like it's gonna if be. If I had to bet, I, I, I'm like fifty one forty nine. But if I had to bet my life, I bet my life on it. I agree. By with the you. way, what like, do you think? Uh, what do you think Aaron Nola's stats were his last sixteen games of the year? I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure his they were terrific. I mean, he had that ten start run with the six innings, two two earned or less, and and seven strikeouts or whatever in each one. So I'm guessing they were pretty great. Yeah, he had a three ERA, three ERA in his last sixteen starts, and that was with that Marlins game. And I don't know if you own him in fantasy, but it's a Marlins game in the fantasy playoffs that he got absolutely torched. Yeah. And I'm clearly not over it. Uh, he had a 28% K rate, which is elite. Wow. And an under, I think he had a, a 6.9. Six wow. I mean, that's elite. A 6.9. That's elite. Yeah, it's, those it's, are, those, both of those numbers in together are absolutely He's elite. a hidden ace. Uh, so if I'm off the top of my head and how I'm seeing it shake out now, my, look, my, my rotation this year is going to be Arietta, Nola, Velasquez, Eikhoff, Eflin. If I had to bet right now, I I agree with you. I think Eflin Pavetta is going to be interesting for that five spot. I think those first four, assuming Velasquez is is fully healthy and ready Until to he go, gets hurt, yeah, yeah, I, he'll he'll be in there. And I think Nola and Eikhoff are locks as well. And, and I'm with you. I, I'm I'm in on the Jared Eikhoff bounce back season. Yeah. He's not a star or anything, but I think he's a, I think he's going to be a nice pitcher for this team. And I think he's been a consistent. And he'll get you, you know, he'll pitch some innings for you and eat some innings for this team, which yeah. is going to be necessary. Just get to the five innings. Just get to the five and innings. Give the, give the bullpen. Yes. It's, it's due. Um, all right, a couple more quick things before we get out of here. If I had to say one player you're watching the most over the next month or let's say the next three weeks until it really gets real and we start to really know what the shape of this team is going to be, who's the one guy you're keeping your eye on most? So I'm curious to see how the outfield's going to work. Uh, I want to see how Altair and Williams look. I, I'm not as high on Nick Williams as a lot of people are, uh, just because the K rate and the OBP and the Dom Brownness to his swing mm-hmm. in, in general. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I'm a very pro Aaron Altair guy. 
I no, think, really? I've never heard you say that before. I think he's going to be an all-star if he stays healthy. <laughs> Shout out another John Solness. But uh, I like Altair better, too. For I think he's going to be like if I had to, If I had to choose one to start, it's him. I am less down on Williams than you, but I agree. I don't think Williams... I don't, I don't trust Williams to be an everyday starting outfielder in Major League Baseball at this point. Yeah. I think his swing is a, it's a, it's nicer than Dom's. It's not quite as loopy as Brown's. It's right. a little sweeter than that, but I totally see the comp and I get where you're coming from. It's a, he's just a different type of hitter. I think the you know, cl- less more of a more of a you know he's not going to be a 35 homer guy at any point ever in his career. Right, but he does have a the thing with him that that is frustrating is he has a hole. He has a, he has a clear hole. He has a clear hole in his swing that I think pitchers, once they study him enough, they're going to find it, and that's a fastball off in the zone. He, he physically can't lay off. Mm-hmm. It. So come big games, I don't trust him in a big game because I think they have a way to get him out. But most important player, obviously, is, is Franco. Mm-hmm. What are you going to get from Michael Franco? Uh, well, that's a key, and we, we didn't talk about it, but the, the – hey, okay, you're, you're a Franco stan. I am just saying – You are – I have I long am, said I'm out. On Michael, Michael Franco, you have long fought me and said, no, I still believe for the Franco stands, you hear the Carlos Santana's mentoring him and all yes. that. Are you buying in? <laughs> or do you, You're asking you the wrong want guy. to buy in? Are you buying in? <laughs> well, every spring training, it's just like, hey, here's seven home runs in 14 games. So you're going to hit 30 this year. Um, I'm not, listen, I'm just saying that there, Franco Island is treading water and I'm on the palm tree. Just try and hold on to dear. Island is treading water. I like it's, this. It's not going well. Yeah. There's a single palm tree that's staying There's above. There's a float. sinkhole that's yeah. bringing the whole island. Down. Yeah. So listen, I I want him to be good rather than I think he's going to be good. There's been no signs that he's like the fact that he came into spring training this year and I saw his bat yesterday and he of course he struck out on a curveball out of the zone because he's addicted to that. That's what he does <laughs> for some reason. That's what he does. The fact that he came in and didn't close his stance will forever just boggle my mind. He seems like he he doesn't want to adjust to modern baseball or adjust. He hasn't changed at all since he's come up uh, and pitchers have learned how to throw to him. So it's more of my personal frustration that you should be so much better than this. Um, he totally should. Uh, I mean, the quick hands, the the physical abilities, it's a shame, really. It's ridiculous. And he's still young. He's 25 it, or 26 or whatever. 25. 25, I think, right? Yeah. And it doesn't seem like he takes coaching well. No, at all. It's like he doesn't even care what they're saying. I mean, Pete McCann literally had to say last year, he's got to talk to me because I'm not talking to him anymore. <laughs> I mean, who does that? I right. mean, that was out- and that was bad on Pete's part, too. You, you figure, you hope Kapler's, Kapler's just going to be like, in his face about it and a little more aggressive with him. But regardless, if you know, if I had to predict where I think Michael Franco will be by, let's say, I don't know, whenever Scott Kingery's super two date comes up, it'll be on the bench and Cesar Hernandez or Kingery playing third base and the other at second. They've they've put a referendum on him. They have as Kingery, well they should. They have Kingery moving all over the place. They yep. basically told him, listen, if you don't play well this year, we're going after Machado with everything we Which have. they should. I agree they completely should. How do you not get better? I, I yeah, man. I don't, <laughs> like I'm with you. It's not a me thing. It's a him thing. Yeah, it's and it's a shame. And and I'm clearly at the point where I don't think he ever will. I get that the talent's there. I get that he's still young. And I think that who knows? Maybe a change of scenery does. I I it is so rare to see someone stay on the same team this long on, on like a Nelson Aguilar type of thing. Uh-huh. Which, rare enough as it is in the NFL and baseball. It's so rare for someone to get this many shots in the same place and finally turn it around after this long. So we'll agreed. See. All right, final thoughts, Fritzy. Uh, just the, just think it's weird because we're here in Philadelphia and it is raining out, mm-hmm. but just the scene of baseball on my screen makes me feel warm. It feels like I can just go walk to my car in my, in my shorts and a t-shirt 
It feels like baseball's back. It was 70 degrees on Tuesday and Wednesday, and like I wanted to pick up my glove and go play. I'm so happy baseball's back. It is almost fantasy baseball season. We're going to have to do a fantasy baseball pod oh, and an MLB yeah. over-unders pod. Because oh, absolutely. An happening. MLB over-unders pod is, is it's what gets me off. Yeah, and it's your favorite thing on, in life, essentially. It is. It's not, yeah. it's baseball, baseball in general. Me too. Just is. Me too. It's but, my favorite. Uh, I can't wait to see the first starts from some of these guys. Like, I want to see what Eikhoff looks like, Velasquez, Nola, all of it. I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, me too. I want to see this lineup get out there. I want to see J.P. Crawford. I want to see Reese Hoskins. I want to see all these guys going at it. It's really exciting, man. Like you just said, it feels like baseball's back. I'm driving in. I'm listening to Scott in L.A., and it's just like you just get those juices flowing, and you're just like – yeah, man, I'm ready. And uh, and on now, top now by of that, the third week of spring training, we'll be like, all right, <laughs> right let's let, start. Let's go already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the fantasy, the whole thing of it. And again, for the first time in a while here, we have we have real exciting things to look forward to with this Phillies team, and maybe even a Jake Arrieta signing. We'll see. Either way, we'll be back soon. John Marks will be doing a mailbag, I believe, coming up soon. In a maybe, maybe a special maybe guest, maybe a guest who maybe we've talked about. We will see. That'll be coming up as well. Either way. We'll be talking some Phillies with you guys and uh, and continuing to uh, to enjoy the fact that baseball is back. So for Jack Fritz, for the absent John Marks, I am James Seltzer. Thank you for listening to another edition of High Hopes.